You say you got it all figured out. Oh, well, I like to disagree. I don't think that you understand what you meant to me. I'm somewhere doing better. All you are is a memory. You said we're enemies. We'll keep that energy. I'm somewhere doing better. Get it out right now. I can't believe I ever let you in my life right now. Oh, up, mix it up. They ease my mind right now. For glove, I got money on my mind right now. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Halt with your boy Ant and me, Thick Teddy. And today we have a very special guest, incredible Bob from Atlas. How you doing, Bob? Good. How you doing? Good, man. Good, man. Um, so why is your name Bob? Got to ask off the bat, first question, why is your name Bob? Why did you choose Bob from uh, Bob's Burgers? Dude, uh, honestly... <laughs> <laughs> no no clue i chose uh um i think i just basically decided to choose a, a screen name and and bob just seems super generic which it is I mean, no offense to anyone named robert or bob <laughs> um i've been doing i've been trading for a long time and i don't historically i hadn't really i haven't really done chat rooms um and so i just figured you know hey why not it's kind of bored um do this because i historically have just traded by myself um so i just felt like this was pretty pretty average run-of-the-mill name and to be honest with you the picture i just typed in bob and it popped up that stupid avatar and i've just stuck with it (laughs) wait a second are you are your both your profile pictures from the same cartoon because i have never all right, I was gonna say I've never seen it, so it's it's good. That's why I chose mine is because I think my dude is really the Teddy dude is like super funny and kind of stupid. But um, you actually watched the show? I did. I don't know. Did you watch the show, Bob? No, I've never seen it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't recommend it. If it's if you don't like like that kind of shit, I don't know. It's it's okay. I don't like as a kid. I watched The Simpsons growing up. Well, The Simpsons have been on what 20, 30 years or something yeah. like that. And I don't even want to say as a kid because. Probably in my twenties, I watched The Simpsons, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I'll tell you, I grew up to Beavis and Butthead. Like that was the original shit when I was in college. That was the greatest thing on TV. That's still good stuff, though. And it is still good stuff. There's, it's the best stuff out there. Um, and then they've had these, you know, uh, not reiterations, but they've had these branch offs of uh, what was it? The the that the hill show or something like that with yeah hill or something and the bob burgers and you got the the dad show but yeah i don't watch any of that stuff but you know i'm i stay i'm trying to to the original stuff stuff which was beavis and butthead yeah for sure um so i see all over twitter sometimes well not all over twitter but occasionally you have some pretty good looking wine i want to hear about it like what, what kind of stuff what do you drink what is your your drink of choice and what is this wine yeah um so it really just depends my mood on really what I want to drink. I'm, I'm very uh, uh, partial to uh, Orrin Swift and his, his brand of, uh, of wine. I, I, uh, I love that stuff to death. Um, um, however, I will, you know, we, we, my wife and I will branch out and, and try a whole bunch of other things. Um, I love uh, Farniente. Um, that's a, a top wine for me. So I just encourage people to try stuff. I mean, there's some good stuff out there and there's some good stuff that you or stuff that you'll spend a lot of money on that just royally sucks. And it's just not for, you know, it's not for you, but there's so many varieties out there. And, you know, if I, my, I just say, if you find one that you like 
find out what else they make and then uh you can branch out and uh see you know see where your taste buds go from there okay but i'm a ca- i'm a cab guy i can tell you straight up the cab guy i'm not a fan of pinots um i do like some sauv blancs if it's like raging hot outside um but uh yeah i'm definitely definitely like the earthy cab stuff okay so all right i'm drinking like a an 80 cent seltzer right now so i, I, say, some, I know <laughs> yeah i need some help here um i know nothing about one give me like a, a couple hundred dollar bottle or something within like a under 200 bucks that i can try that's a cab and i'll write it down or okay so orange swift mercury head okay totally go and crush that uh another one of his uh uh labels is machete okay machete yeah check it out um another one's abstract prisoner like i'm telling you go on go on to your your local wine store if they carry it uh i don't know if you guys have total wine i know a lot of folks do they tend to carry a lot of it but your local your local guys will have it too and just branch out and try his stuff um it is definitely not on the lower end of the price spectrum. Um, I think his cheapest bottle is like 35, 40 bucks. And they Mercury Head will range up to about 130, 150, depending on the year. Um, okay. But I, I highly recommend Mercury Head. If you're going to do a, a Farniente, go for a Farniente a 2016, 2017 cab. It'll, it'll blow your socks off. You'll be like, now this is real wine. Not the the 1999 shit that they sell at the grocery store. You're like, oh shit! Well, it's two for one now. You got to buy it. <laughs> the same as the 899 bottle. It's no different. Trust me. Enjoy those wine. But when you pop them, let them breathe a little bit. Let them oxidize a little bit. You'll 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 enjoy them. They're they're really 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 good wines. And then you'll power through a whole bunch and go, holy shit! I just murdered <laughs> like a thousand dollars in wine in like one sitting. So no but it's box worth wine. It. You enjoy no box it. wine. Yeah. No box wine. Are you sure, dude? I was. I remember a couple of years ago, I got smacked off some box wine, and I felt pretty good after. Hey, when I grew up, it was Boone Hills, man, in, in high school. That's all we. That's all we swilled with Boone's and, and uh, Mad Dog, twenty twenty. Oh, Mad Dog, monkey. bro! The blue one tastes like some cleaner, but I mean. It... Oh yeah, it, it cleaned you. It definitely cleaned you. <laughs> yeah, it did. All right, well, I'm gonna pick up one of those. I'm gonna try to find one of those 2016, 2017 cabs, and then I think one of those machetes or Mercury Head, and I will. Uh, Oh yeah, I mean, let I'll me know when you it. pop it. I'll pop one of my bottles. We'll drink them together online, dude. Trust me, you'll you'll enjoy it. Okay, I will. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you updated. Um, and then the other thing I gotta ask you, man. I saw a couple weeks ago. It looked like something like an octopus leg that you posted that you were eating. Right. What are these crazy things you eat? Like, like, just explain. I need to hear. Yeah. So, um, we, my family, we we don't do like. Well, maybe if we're hungover, like we'll throw like Chick Fil A or shit to deliver because we're miserable. But in general, we try to uh, uh, have advanced palates, um, and so yeah, we are open to eating basically whatever. I don't hold back on That's awesome. on much on the plate. I mean, if someone's willing to make it and they're a respectable chef, then it would be disrespectful for me to not eat something that they're really putting time and effort to bring a plate to you. Um, so yeah, like I, I eat a lot of octopus. Octopus is great. It's probably people are fearful of it because they see the suckers and they're like, oh no, it is one of a, it's a decadent dish. It's not like foie gras where it's rich and fatty. It's a it's a it's a protein. Um, but when people try it, they're like, holy shit, this is really freaking good. 
And I'm like, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the best things you can eat. What does it compare to, like texture wise? Um, I don't want to say shrimp because shrimp is its own unique texture, but it's meatier than shrimp. But it's not as flaky as a white fish. It's just okay. a good meaty piece of seafood, but it, there's no seafood taste to it. It really will absorb the taste of whatever it's prepared in. Sounds my, good, to be honest. My, but it, make sure it's grilled. Like, you got to get it grilled because there's nothing okay. like having it when it has that smoked taste to it. It's utterly incredible. And my, I promise you, you have it once, you'll be like, holy shit, I'm having this all the time. My uh, Nona makes octopus salad, so my whole family's from Italy. Oh, mm. so yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, people I mean, get weirded I'm out. A, yeah, I'm an Iowa guy with gas station pizza. So, I mean, True. I'm going to have to fucking branch out and try some of this this cab and try some of this octopus. But, dude, the octopus, I was, like, looking at it, and I'm pretty, like, wild when it comes to what I'll eat. I'll eat anything. And I wanted to try it. Like, I saw it, and I was like, damn, I wonder what that tastes like. Like, it looks like it would be something seafoody, but it looked it's. I don't want to say it's like squid because squid, again, is its own unique texture and, and different um, flavor to it. But it's it's just it's a meatier piece if you compared it to them. Um, but yeah, so we, we tend to support chefs. We'll have them brought to our house because a lot of these folks are still out of work and, um, you know, they want to stay with their craft and they're trying different things. So we'll let them entertain us here at our home and, uh, they'll prepare whatever here at our house. And it's, 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 it's a fun little event when we do them. That's absolutely awesome. Do you have any, like any dishes that stick out as like the like top echelon of like crazy that you've eaten or something that you've never seen anyone else talk about eating before? Yeah, I mean, years ago, um, and it was unique. I had uh, sushi one time, and it was monkfish liver. That was different. It was truly different. Um, I've had alligator ribs. That I will never do again, but I tried it. Um, (laughs) Absolutely will never do alligator ribs again. That was no bueno for me. An experience, Uh, though? (laughs) uh, Yeah, uh, the dude cooked for Oprah, and he opened a restaurant, so we checked it out, and the food was kick-ass, but then he brought these ribs, and I'm like, what are they? They're alligator ribs, and it was just, Mm. nah. I mean, cool, thanks, great, tried it, not for me. Dude, but I'll eat anything. It doesn't uh, doesn't really faze me. Um, I always try it once, let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I like... uh... My Nona also makes tripe, which is the lining of like cow's stomach. I know it sounds gross, but I'm sure Bob, you've had it before. It's actually good. You just gotta I have pass, had like, tripe the... soup. Um, tried it once, but uh, definitely different. Yeah, it's just certain things. Like you look at octopus, you're like, oh, that doesn't look appetizing. But you just gotta get past the like visual of certain things. Yeah, it's it's all in your head, and once you get past all that stuff, and you really yeah. appreciate it, and then it's also again, it's how it's really prepared. Because I've had stuff that should be great, and it's prepared like garbage and you're just like oh that just totally ruined it for me mm-hmm. then you got to find a chef that knows how to prepare it so you get that good experience pat chef is key so it sounds like um for sure so what have you i know you're going on vacation here soon but uh the market the last few weeks you got any trades or any like sector type of stuff that sticks out to you specifically yeah i know we saw some rotation over the last few weeks uh when we've seen infrastructure rotation and that's kind of weaned off a little bit i do believe it picks up once this bill gets finally passed after it gets negotiated between both sides of the aisle um we saw low floaters Um, i know some folks say ipos are not a theme well i hate to break it to you it is a theme right now because that seems to be 
where everyone is heading to, whether it's a pure IPO or an uplist IPO, as long as it's not a cone coin, excuse me, coin IPO, then everyone's, you know, that's a, that that's a brutal. different situation. That was brutal. That was just a pure dump by all the, the shareholders on the market. Totally criminal, but it is what it is. Yeah. Fuck that, um, dude. I, I didn't, I that. didn't touch, I didn't touch that. I knew what folks were walking into and they just got massacred on it and I feel bad for them. Um, I think we're still due for a bit of a biotech bounce. Um, you know, biotech can be seasonal uh, based on what I call meeting season. We're not in meeting season right now, um, but there are some uh, pretty good catalysts still in the month of July and August. Um, you know, I, I, it, we have EVs uh, still out there, uh, but I think we'll start seeing the typical tailing off of movement as we enter into August. Um, I know some people are, I hear it, they're freaking out about August. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I've, I've talked to a, a number of people and, and, you know, they get, they want my opinion on the market and how things are trending. I said, you know, it's, it's a, first off, it's a different universe since COVID. Um, the historical uh, patterns that are cyclical year after year really don't exist uh you have more people trading from a retail side um I, I, you know i i don't know i think we're in a little bit of a dark tunnel on how things move forward um i think the real challenge uh will be for the marketplace is when when corporations really force their employees back to work in september uh parents have to put their kids back in school in august i think uh we'll have to wait and see i i will be uh probably a little more tepid on the things that I do. Um, I'm always a little bit conservative on my trades. I might be uh, not scaling in uh, as my normal side is if I take an initial swing position instead of a quarter size, I might take a fifth or a sixth size position just to kind of feel it out. Um, but overall, I don't think things are in a bad place. I think it's just, we have to see where these ebbs and flows go. And uh, once the market figures itself out, uh, you know, we'll play with what's in front of us. I think that's just the safe thing to do unless there's a solid catalyst and that's a different conversation. Yeah. I think, um, I think those IPOs have been really, really nice lately. And I see a bunch of people bashing them on, on Twitter and on stock twists and stuff, but like, why don't people just trade what's in front of them? Like if the IPOs are hot, if we've had five IPOs go over 25% in the past three days, why are you going to deny a sector when it's going to make you money the next day? If something's, I mean, uh, public, like initial public offerings, what an IPO is. And if something's doing that, then uh, for our beginner viewers, and if you've seen like five of them go, then it's not something you can deny. It's not, you can't say it's not a sector. Um, but I also think that uh, those those bio plays with a, that are close to cash, I think those are probably going to be coming into play within the next month or two, um, even sooner maybe within the next few weeks. But those are those are what I have my eye on. So and, and so do I. As long as there's a valid catalyst in front of it um, that I that it piques my interest and I, I will dip my toe in the pool to have some skin in the game and not be, again, it's definitely not the full size position for me, but it's, it's there. So one, I don't forget, I look at it in my portfolio and remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, biotechs close to cash are usually a good thing. If the, if the, if the catalyst is within, you know, four to four to eight weeks out, you know, everyone's like, well, how do you time the entry into that? You don't time the entry into that. You just have to dip your toe into the pool and, 
you know, scale up or down where appropriate and trade around a core position. And I think for some new traders, it's difficult because, you know, they're starting out and they see everyone being super successful. Well, I can promise you it took years for those people to be super successful. It's never overnight. It wasn't overnight for me. Um, I don't consider myself super successful. I don't know even what that means. Um, Self-sufficient. Yes. A hundred percent. Can I survive on this? Yeah, I have, you know, in essence, I'm retired and I do this. Um, But um, yeah, you know, it's dip your toe into the pool into a trade, take your time with the trade, learn the personality of that said stock. By that, the personality is the executive team behind it and the book runners who ran it on the beginning. You'll know certain stocks act a certain way. And then if you see certain executives leave or had an affiliation to an executive, another company, you'll learn that those behaviors are always similar from, from those, those companies because there's a shared value and a shared trait between them. Um, but yeah, I mean, biotechs, like you said, near cash, near-term catalyst, those are um, you know, high probability trades for me. Do they all work out? No, they don't. I mean, that's just pointly honest. Um, but our job isn't ever to guess data um, positive or negative. We don't know how the market's going to react to it. We try to play the run up into the data. Um, you never catch, catch a top or catch a bottom on a trade. I mean, I love people who say they catch the top tick or bottom tick and they're, you know, they, they nailed it hundred percent. That is so rare. That's like hitting for the cycle on baseball. It just doesn't happen. We want to ride that in between portion. You can't be upset that you left X, Y, Z on the table, but you came out of the trade profitable. And for that reason, and that reason alone, you're successful. And, you need to put that in your back pocket and realize, hey, shit, I did this in the right way. And if I can build on that and that mentality, I will have a long, sustained career doing this. Yeah. Something to touch on quick that you mentioned is you said about it took you a while to like get the hang of this, get, get the hang of trading. Um, we talked about this last week. Uh, you see people on Twitter saying that this is easy and they've been trading three months and made a million dollars. It's just not. Right. It just, that's not how it works. You got to commit yourself. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the code, I call it the COVID market. Um, People being able to stay at home and following guys like David day trader um, and having a herd mentality. It's good. Great. You know what? You made a ton of money in the market, probably more than you'd ever seen in your lifetime. Uh, and you're not tied to a cubicle and punching a clock nine to five and, you know, having to do you know, reviews on yourself and whatever, and blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and fight up the, the chain of command to, to, to have, you know, survive to provide for your family. My only suggestion to those people is two things. One, you didn't learn how to trade. First and foremost, you're riding this incredible wave. Um, you've made a good amount of money to, to have cushion in your life and your family's life. Now take the time to learn how to really trade. Understand, find a niche that works for you. The other thing I'll make suggestion is, hey, you made a ton of money in the market. Don't go waste it. (laughs) Sit on it. Make it grow. Don't keep gambling your money away pay your frick if you have debt use this opportunity to pay your debt off don't have those those chains around you that pin you back i mean this is 
this is, uh, you know, I would say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, but I saw this also during the Great Recession, the bounce back wasn't as extreme as this V-shaped recovery that we had from last year, from March of last year. The Great Recession took years and I made an enormous amount of money investing, not trading, investing after companies like Ford were below a dollar, City was like a dollar ten, Bank of America was like three bucks. So hell yeah, I took everything and then some and threw it in those in those companies and invested. And I knew they would bounce back because they were named brands. There was no way the government was going to let them blow up like Lehman. This is different this year. It's a much, uh, I think crypto plays a part of it, the crypto mentality, the gambling mentality. And that's okay. Take a portion of that if you want to have that fix and do it. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But learn how to trade. Learn how to take some of those gains and invest it. Find stocks that pay dividends, that grow, that will grow for you over the years. Take those dividends and reinvest it and buy shares back if you're able to do it. If not, take those dollars and buy something else that pays dividends. Take this opportunity and seize it. Do not waste it. Because when it goes away, it's gone. And if you haven't taught yourself these things, then you've missed the boat and all the, those dollars will just go whittle away to nothing. And then you're back to square one. Yeah. Totally agree. agree. Yeah. New traders have to take their lumps. Um, it kind of some people um, like these, these success stories from the past year make it seem like lumps aren't necessary. Um, and we're both young traders, so we haven't taken oh. as many lumps as we're going to take in our, in our trading I've taken career. A lot, I've taken a lot of lumps in my career. You learn a from lot. Expensive the, lumps. Oh, yeah. bad ones. In the beginning, I wasn't profitable, I think, until year three-ish. Um, yeah. And then really consistently profitable probably around year five. And I can tell you the first two years, I just got punched in the balls every other trade, man. Like hard. I thought I knew I, would, I, was, I was trading ETFs and didn't understand what a, a decaying ETF was. And just got, a, I mean, bl- obliterated tens of thousands of dollars. And you're just like, holy shit. But I kept at it. You know, you have a choice in life. You can get punched and lay down or you get punched and stand up and you figure it out and you keep fighting. You, you persevere. Um, but it will not always be this easy. And uh, if folks aren't taking the time to learn during what is easy, uh, they're going to have a hard uh, learning curve when it, when it really becomes what the market normally is. Yeah. I think that's a, a good segue into we wanted to ask you how you got into trading. Um, more so maybe when you started or if there was like, did you have a mentor? Uh, how did you learn about the market? That type of thing. Uh, no mentor. Um, back when I started trading, there was no discord. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. There was message boards on Yahoo and other various services. Um, you talk to colleagues who invested in XYZ and you wanted to learn about the stock. And back then, you did a lot of research, whether it be the internet or you'd go to the library, you open up the Wall Street Journal and actually have to look at a chart that was printed out in, on the paper. You get ink all over your hands every single day, flipping through page after page after page. Um, and you learned, um, you, you learned about companies and you found companies that you really believed in and liked. The difference today versus then, um, yeah, so I got into it because like anyone else, I wanted to have an opportunity to have uh, supplemental income to build upon. I didn't want to be in the rat race my whole life. Um, I was in corporate America before I started my own firm. Um, 
but you know there was always the opportunity of hey this is great this is one path but you always have to in my belief you have to have multiple streams of income if you really want to make it you need to have multiple streams of income um and so i got into trading for that reason and that's that's really really what it came down to the tools we have today at our disposal as retail traders did not exist back then it was word of mouth it was the communication through message boards and the hedge funds knew we were on message boards and they would pollute the message boards against us. I mean, it was really, it, it was really intense back then. It's still intense today, but it was a different world back then. Um, you, you had to, you had to learn a lot without the tools, like I said, that we have today. Yeah. That's uh that's interesting to hear that the, the funds would come in and pollute the boards and stuff. Oh, um, you have no idea. <laughs> so when you were like when you were first beginning did you ever have any like an aha moment kind of where you realized like i think this is this is the moment where like i'm making it like i think this is i've turned that corner yeah when i think it's when you become profitable you know i, I tell folks this i've told them this since uh i started being more i guess visible in the social media realm on twitter and through various uh through atlas uh discord um, I tried to do too much in the beginning um, because I couldn't, I didn't know what my niche was. And it took me a good three years to figure out from a trading vehicle, like what, what out of all these different things that come about news and you know, uh, articles, you know, what I can find and you research the message boards and you know, whether it be, Yahoo or the other, I can't remember the other service. Investor Hub was one of them. There's some other ones back then. I, I had to find a niche where I felt comfortable hanging out in because I felt that I had some area of expertise. Um, and I would build upon it because then I can ask other folks that are newer within that realm or that business sector to get their opinions. And then from that point, I learned about Catalyst. I really looked at charts. I've got really good at reading SEC filing. I preach this to the day I die. If there's one thing that you need to learn as a trader, learn how to read an SEC filing and learn what the filing means. You will be leaps and bounds above your peers um, and you will be successful in that. And so I found biotech for me that was easy. Um, it's one, I mean, we, everyone did the OTC shit in the beginning because it was like, oh, 0 0.001 goes to five, you know, you're an instant billionaire. That doesn't happen. Um, but biotechs, because they do provide a roadmap on Catalyst, um, for me, is probably one of the easiest thing for new traders to get into. Yes, there's inherent risk with any type of biotech. Um, but when they provide as I said, I'd say it again, a roadmap to the catalyst, whether it be a corporate presentation through their 10Q, through their 10K, you have definitive dates on when they're supposed to announce data or an update. And what I found out over time was a lot of times the stock prices would run up into those events. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like a slam dunk. Um, and so, yeah, you can find out that you can be pretty uh, pr consistently profitable, usually about 70 80% of the time I'm playing a run up. There's always little nuances that come up. It's never a perfect science, but if you can hit 70% in your trades and you manage your investment into the trade appropriately, where you don't say I'm going to YOLO and go hundred percent of my account. No, I'm going to do like 
15% of my account in this one and 15 in this one and 15 in this one. Why do you do, why do you break out 15% across the entire book? Because you protect yourself. It's a game of numbers at that point. So if two fail and eight win, great. But if those eight that won, you only had 5% in and the other two that failed, you had 30% in, you're, you're killing yourself. You're upside down. See, it's a, it's a game. It's a scaling of numbers. Um, you have to somewhat treat it. I don't like to use the word Las Vegas, but they, they, they believe in that theory that if you spread it out thin, the, the, you know, amongst a bunch of areas, the house never wins those. It's usually the player that wins. And that's why, you know, I use the blackjack analogy. When, when players go to the table, the blackjack table, and they go on these hot streaks, and they'll win for an hour straight, but they don't change the dollar amount that they put into each of their hands. Then they get the itch and they say, Hey, I was putting $20 in each of those hands. Well, fuck man. I've been rolling for an hour to two hours straight. And I'm like a 90% success rate. I'm now going to go 50. Guess what? You're busting 30 minutes. The house knows you're going to do it. And they know by the game of numbers, you're going to lose. So again, baby steps into all these little things and scale up, scale down throughout the process, you will build a book and you will be successful doing it that way. Yeah. So um, for, for beginner traders, um, what is kind of the way that you can determine if a catalyst is something that's, that's real and going to be good or if something is uh, something that's maybe like a fluff or something that isn't going to move the price? Great question. So rule of thumb, first and foremost, if the catalyst is they're going to start a new trial, walk the other direction. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's meaningless to me. And I know, listen, some stocks in today's world are going to run because they started an Alzheimer's trial. Great. The stock went up 100%. Well, shit, this is the market we're in. But historically, that doesn't move a stock. It's a, it's a non-event. Uh, an event that moves a biotech north into the run-up process is an update on data. Uh, and it could be data that's already released and they're just updating it further. That's normal in the, in, in, the, in the clinical trial process. They can do that. New phase two data. Phase one historically has never been important, but we've had stocks pop on phase one data and run up into it. Phase three data, it always runs up into and PDUFAs. Um, but like INDs, they're okay. Um, initial new drug, um, an application, you know, if, if, when the company say, Hey, we submitted an application to the FDA. Great. You wrote some shit down on a piece of paper and turned it in to your teacher. Why <laughs> is the stock up X, Y, Z? Like I would look at that and say, I'm going to short the shit out of that stock. And that, I'll take the other side of that trade because it, it's, a, to me, it's a non-event. Um, but data is an event, uh, a PDUFA, uh, on a drug approval as an event, please never hold through a Padufa, never hold through data either. Never, ever, ever, ever hold into data. Like, don't say, hey, I'm going to, and I, and we'll talk about OCUP and why I did do it in that situation. That's one of the rare instances that I do. There are a handful of times I will hold through data, but generally speaking, 95% of the time I don't hold the data. We play the run up, we ride the wave, we jump off the wave before the wave dies. That's it. Um, but IND, drug applications, I avoid those like the plague run the other direction. They're just not for me. Yeah. I think, that makes I think sense. one that, uh, I think Orf's a good example of that. Um, I don't know if you guys remember what happened with the Orf, but, uh, yep. Well, Orf ran up into the, uh, Padufa date and, and it, honestly and it, went ape shit. 
And then yeah. they got what? I got a complete response letter and then look at ORF now. Now I do believe ORF will go up again. Uh, and the reason behind that is that uh, they will eventually PR that they're, they've had their meeting or they scheduled a meeting with the FDA and ORF is now in a cult status. So yeah. when that type of PR hits, ORF will go up again. Is it, a, is it more than a day trade in that situation? Absolutely not. Day trade it and walk the other direction. Do not hold it longer than that. Uh, but it's inner cult status for sure. Yeah, it actually had a, on Friday, it actually had a decent day. Um, yeah, I think uh, last week was weird, man. We started strong and then there was some serious, I call it market fuckery going on. And and totally, and I keep a lot of stuff on my calendar and I, I totally missed that it was option expiration on Friday. So there was an enormous amount of fuckery due to option extra expiration, which impacted everything across the market. So I think we'll, you know, everyone's like, well, what do you think we'll see this week? Uh, I think we see some sort of a bounce this week. Um, how sustained it will be is, you know, to be determined. Um, but we'll, we'll portray what's in front of us. Or you guys will, because I won't really, really be around this week. But You'll be on the beach. I'll be on the beach, yeah. But uh, I will be trading too, because that's just what I do in the early part of the morning. But, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think we see a little bit of an uptick. But, yeah, again, a stock like an ORPH, ORPH I do believe that there's a bounce. There's a there's an enormous amount of cult behind certain things. And you, you got to play to what the, the theme is. And we're still in this cult slap mentality, which is, hey – Go for it. Don't don't leave money on the table, but don't YOLO your account either at the same time. Yeah. I I, uh, I tweeted something today. Teddy mentioned something about it, like fighting the trend is there's people that'll just they'll fight the trend, whatever the trend is or for the week, just out of being stubborn. It's you gotta go with what's hot. You gotta play what's hot. Yep. I've been there. I'm no different. We're all human and we wanna prove everyone wrong that we know more. Mm -hmm. Um but if you wanna stand in front of a tidal wave, you're gonna get washed out. So don't stand in front of the title. Yeah, that's me, man. I've, I've sometimes had some, some bearish feelings about spy and I'm always tempted. I'm always tempted to take like some, some short position or some put position on spy. And then it's just, man, it's been a tidal wave the past, like the past year, even, um, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to stand in front of it and get absolutely washed over. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and listen, don't be negative either against the theme or a move because you missed it well you missed it so just say hey cool you know what i missed this one and i'll ride the next one there's always something to trade in the market just don't fight don't fight the theme don't don't stand in front of the tsunami that's the worst thing to do yeah okay so i'm drinking right now a uh, a watermelon mint seltzer um sounds good it was 80 cents at my, my local high V and it's actually pretty good. Um, it's really minty, not very much watermelon, but it's got only like 120 calories for that entire thing. So I have, I don't know if you can see it. The artwork's really cool on it. It's a, it's like a mango smoothie beer from dogfish head. It's like 8% alcohol. It's really good. Dogfish head's good. Yeah. It's really good. I like mango too. Um, all right. I think we're going to do hop into bullish versus bullshit. And, um, Bob, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we do this every week where we throw out two or three tickers and we just all give our opinions on if we think, or if we're bullish on them or we think they're bullshit. Uh, the next one would be space. Um, I just pulled up the chart too. So space is interesting right now. It's, it's sitting on the 200. Um, 
in theory, it should bounce from here. Um, the one weird part about space, I don't think a lot of people know, maybe they do know, space tried to do a billion dollar offering uh, the other week and they couldn't. And uh, they had to knock it down to 500 million because they couldn't find buyers for a billion dollars. And so if that resonates something to you and tells you it probably doesn't have a, you know, it, the confidence in it isn't there. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a telling sign to me, albeit from a technical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it could bounce off the, the 200, but boy, if it loses that 200, oh boy. Ooh, there's a little gap to the downside that's going to knock it down to about 22, 21, 22. Yeah, that thing would end up in the low 20s if that happens. Yeah, um, I mean, you could, you could, you could buy some puts on it. You know, see what, see what happens. See what the price on the the premium is. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, um, I can't really. I don't know. For me, I can't really. I see the vision for what they have and the product they want to offer about like five years down the road, eight years down the road. But for me right now, I just don't think it's quite worth what they're what they're talking about. I see the chart. Um, it could bounce. I don't think it's going to bounce. I think we probably see it break, and then we see it go through that gap. But I think it's bullshit for a couple years, honestly. Like I think it could double in valuation. It could do some crazy stuff. But that offering opened my eyes. Um, and what you just said about the offering they wanted – um, double what they actually got really opened my eyes and um, the company itself made me just kind of like the idea behind it is is really futuristic and I'm extremely picky with my futuristic um, kind of stock picks and I, I don't know I, I'm just I'm not sold on it so I'm going bullshit uh, I'm gonna go bullshit for two reasons one uh, I do not like the look of the chart I think I agree with Bob I actually was talking about this um, with some people today, earlier today, I think this ends up in the low 20s. If it ends up in the low 20s, it's something I would snag. But I also think it's bullshit because I think there's better options. Like if you're looking at this as an investment, um, I just think there are better options. Um, but this would be something I would keep on your watch list. If this falls to the low 20s, I think it will bounce relatively, re- relatively well. So I'm calling bullshit for a couple different reasons. Yeah, I mean, if, they're, if, they're, if their business model is tourists in space, then you, the economy has to be robust enough to put tourists in space. And, uh, yeah. you know, I agree with you. I think it's great. It's a niche. Is it viable in the long term? Or did it, you know, did it have a run up into the flight because, you know, Richard Branson, you know, took it into 50 miles up? I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm bullshit on it. Um, um, although, at some point it will bounce. Um, it's kind of cultish like any yeah. other SPAC, post-SPAC. And then our third stock would be, um, I think we talked about this last week briefly because we m- mentioned EV tickers, but NEO would be our last one. Yeah. China's interesting right now. Um, I think as time goes on, I think and I think Teddy, you and I might have been talking about this in DM, just having a conversation. Um, we're we're going to see, I think, a migration. We're starting to see it of China tickers out of the U.S. exchanges. Um, I think as pressure mounts between the U.S. and China, the world and China, um, you know, one way to pressure them and their companies is to boot them out off the exchanges and to hurt them economically. 
Um, it's not that Neo doesn't produce a product. We know they produce a product. I traditionally do not trust the numbers that come out of any Chinese company. Um, the, there's a history of rampant fraud. Um, but, you know, from a technical view, it, it looks like a hell of a bounce. And if we get an EV run, the Neo goes. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think Neo is like those junker China tickers that are, you know, a dollar and, you know, two dollars and under. It's a real company. Um, but are they really producing what they're doing? If Tesla gets pushed out of the Chinese market, then Neo has a leg that no one can uh, stand up to. So maybe there is a there, there's an opportunity there. I just think the headwinds with with China stocks and to be an investment in a result is just inherently risky. And I think there's better areas to park your money in. So that being said, looking at the chart, I actually might say I'm a little bit bullish on this uh, based on the EV run, but my my runway on bullishness will be would be extremely tight. Yeah. Um, Neo for me, um, I'm stuck in kind of a kind of a middle average kind of area because Neo, I don't think it has a ton of upside um, within the next few years. I think the numbers people are kind of calculating in the numbers that Neo is going to put out for the next few years already. Um, so I think it'll run with an EV run. It'll run massively with a with a Tesla run, that kind of thing. Um, but like Bob said, I'm not. I'm willing to put my money in EVs that are that are gonna stay on the market. Um, we could see something a huge fallout from China. Anything with China news and Neo will probably um, candle down. Um, anything to do with they've already blacklisted a bunch of a bunch of companies anything really really bad with with the china names um neo is going to feel that in their price uh they're already trading at a pretty high multiple of of revenues they've been known to burn a ton of cash so like bob said there's a better place to park your money for the short term um i think there's an ev bounce in the near future so it could be bullish but i'm like right in the middle i'm kind of like this is this is fair for what it's what it's worth you're probably not going to lose a lot of money, but I don't think you're going to make a lot of money either. So for me, it's not bullish or bullshit. It's kind of just like choose something better. Choose choose a company that has a lot more upside than Neo at the moment. Yeah, um, I would say I love the stock. I hate the China relations, um, that aspect to it. I also hate the chart. I think we're due for a big five-wave correction relatively soon and that put us i charted this out the other day that put us about 34 bucks so i yeah i i think it's something that maybe may bounce here but um i think we get a five wave correction soon it's it it's due for one and then i think i mean i would grab some then i this isn't something i'd park my money in now by any means so bob um i kind of just like to get people's views on this kind of in general yeah because evs I don't think these small EVs long term have like much of a chance. Like, like I think it was like Lightning E Motors, um, some of these smaller <laughs> EVs, Solo. Like, I don't think they have any chance of when when Ford, um, when Chevy, when Toyota starts rolling out a ton of uh, of, of EV fleets, and then also you have Tesla and you have names like um, I don't know like 
Fisker's a medium name, but those lower echelon, um, I don't think they have a chance in the long run. What are your thoughts? I agree 100%. Okay. I mean, you're, you're spot on with the whole comment. Um, before the EV run, where, did, where were these companies to begin with? And they all became magical EV companies with mock-ups of three-wheeled <laughs> cars and ice cream trucks and postal delivery and blah, 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 blah. You're 100% right. So I would, I, there's no extra context that I can add to what you said other than they will fade away against the big boys. And yes, a company like Fisker will potentially stay. It is a lower tier EV um, that will have a, a, a place in the market if and when they come to market. Um, but but uh, yeah, the, the solos, the AYROs, the, 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 their flashes in the pan for traders. Yeah. They're not real. They, they, I, it's not that they're not real companies. They they would they would have a hard time surviving in the marketplace. They don't have anything proprietary uh, that the big boys can't produce on their own. Yeah, something to add just for new traders. Um, one of the biggest red flags when I'm looking at a company is a company that like changes what it's going to do based on what the market is doing. So like a company that was doing something and then when EVs got hot, all of a sudden became an EV company, or when nfts became hot these companies tried to pr about nfts um i think dss and dpw are two pretty good um they like to just like fucking just i'm gonna be whatever i'm gonna throw a different skin on when nfts get hot and i'm gonna be an nft company like shut the fuck up they're the chameleons of, of stocks yeah that's a big red flag you can't you can't trust that to any new traders. so when jan is no longer a waste management company but a biotech yeah <laughs> looking at peripheral arterial disease you kind of have to say what am i looking at here other than it's an extreme low float <laughs> and it's a trading vehicle and it's there to make money on yeah uh, longevity is a whole nother discussion bob me doesn't know that's and- my favorite stock of all time <laughs> yeah we love to trade that thing from seven bucks to eight bucks over and over we've both traded that hundreds of times we just it has, it has a nice range <laughs> that you can move in and, yep. and out of all the time but I mean, it was a waste management company, but then they sold it and it's just shit you can't trust. You can't. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, dude, we got a lab. Hey, dude, we just built a lab over here. Bro. And we're like... looking at peripheral arterial disease. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Doesn't make That's any funny. fucking sense. So but that flag. doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean that you can't trade the stock either. There's always something to trade and look what's in front of you to trade for the day or for the hour or for the short term swing, swing trade. But from an investment standpoint, don't park your money in and think it's it's the lot. It's you're gonna have the next Amazon in your hand. You're not. You're not gonna have the next Amazon in your hand. People, uh, people got to di- differentiate that too. Like some, we're talking about investing. I tweet. I tweeted today about the market's been asked backwards for how long. Like you, you, if you try to make sense out of the market, you're just gonna be behind. Like things go and it doesn't make any sense. You just gotta, like we go back up back to fighting the trend. Like. Trade trade what's working. It doesn't matter. It doesn't trade what's working and yeah. book your gains. Scale if you're if the stock is running up and you're not under pattern day trading. Scale out of it on the way up. And if you are under PDT and you have three trades to make over the next five days, scale that winner out and book your profits. Because once you book it, they can't take it away from you. Okay. Um, and then always, as I will preach this to everyone, hold. A certain percentage out of every gain that you make for taxes 
please. You do not want to owe the IRS at the end of the year and say, I don't have enough money to pay the IRS. Please, please, please. And a loss on a trade doesn't mean that you subtract that loss from the total gain on the trade. You owe tax on what you book as profit. You can only carry over a certain dollar amount on losses year after year because these are short-term gains. You have to pay the IRS. Please, 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 please take a percentage out and put it in a savings account and pay the IRS at the end of the year or quarterly whenever you're supposed to do it. Yeah, that's great advice. All right. Um, so the questions we have today, we do we like to do one serious one and one kind of fun one. Um, the first question we have for you is, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice uh, when you first started trading, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, shit. <laughs> um listen to your gut listen to your gut you just trust yourself and i mean it comes down to like do you want to be the kind of person that bets on yourself or do you want to be the kind of person that um doubts yourself and when you're in the middle of a trade and you're in the middle of the heat of the moment you want to be the kind of person that's like has a feeling or like this trade is going bad or this trade is going even better and you doubt that and you don't you don't trust yourself and then you end up not betting on yourself and then you end up seeing like, okay, well, I just lost a shitload of money because I didn't trust myself and I didn't bet on myself. So, yeah, right. I love and trusting that. yourself also is, listen, don't get in a trade because someone else is in the trade. I mean, I, I put stuff out there and say, hey, I'm entering this. Well, I have a reason why I'm entering the trade. But if you're just entering it because I'm in it, then you didn't trust your gut. You didn't do your homework. And it's okay to, to ride the small pops in, in the wave. You know, if, if I say, hey, I'm buying XYZ, you know, these are educational alerts. I'm not telling folks to buy, not telling folks to sell. I'm saying, hey, look at it through my optics on why I'm buying a stock, but understand why I'm buying a stock. Just don't, or anyone else, trust your gut. And if you're, if you're, if, and that's where a lot of folks will be like, well, I wasn't confident in the trade. Well, why did you get into it? Well, I don't know. I just saw people getting into it. That's, that was a fatal flaw right there. Be confident on why you're in it. You, you, I don't get every trade that goes on during that. I can promise you that. No one does. There's, there's, a, there's tons of trades going up and down. No one does. You, 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 you have to be like a hunter in a, in a blind, and you just have to wait for the right opportunity. And, and there's some days, guys, that I take one or two trades, and there's days that I'll take 15 trades. And I miss out and I'm like, and we all go through, through, through FOMO. I go through it sometimes. And I've been doing this 15 plus years. It's just human nature to do it. But part of that is trusting your gut. And if you trust your gut, you don't put yourself in a bad situation. Yeah. Ted, do you have anything for that? No, I mean, I agree with every single thing he said. Um, FOMO is natural. FOMO is real. Just uh, when you hear FOMO, just kind of look at the pros and cons, realize like, okay, this is just FOMO. Like you have to be able to isolate it. Just say, okay, this is FOMO because I'm seeing a bunch of people in this. And then also realize it's impossible to have a gut feeling if you haven't done your homework on something. So do your homework on it and then trust yourself. Get that real gut feeling. Um, Don't ignore it. Just like Bob said, trust yourself, bet on yourself. And uh, you'll likely be a lot more successful down the road when you uh, kind of just refine those skills. And if you have FOMO, get up from your screens and walk away for 15 minutes. Go take a walk and come do back. Do some push-ups. Do some sit-ups. Do some push-ups. Walk away and come back. Clear your head. Exactly. Control Perfect. the emotions. only thing I'll add to that quick is, um, uh, I said this before, but if I could tell a new trader something, it would be don't, 
don't trade with money you're not willing to lose um, oh a hundred percent like yeah. yeah like if oh that's the 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 most that should be the number one rule in anyone's book i mean period in a story if you're coming into trading because you need the money go get a job it's don't do that and well yeah not gonna end well yeah you're gonna treat it as a get rich scheme and it's not a get rich scheme it is a uh fucking fall on your face 20 times before you even smell profit yeah well said um our fun question for this week is bob are there any do you have any hobbies outside of trading that um maybe you do on the weekends or <laughs> uh god dude like by the time the weekend rolls around i'm literally just cooked yeah and so it's family time um i've been riding my uh, bike like crazy so i don't know if it's a hobby or just a, like an obsession just to burn out like mm-hmm. just lack of i work out seven days a week but like during the weekends i go extra tilt just because i know i can so yeah. no i just think for me my hobbies do is just kind of this like relaxing i hate to say it where i'm at my point in my life and my age i'm just kind of i'm just kind of in this cool coast mode so uh I just try to try to embrace things that i can and, and enjoy experiences that are new to me um, that's, I would say that's, uh, is that a hobby? Yeah, maybe. Is it a passion? Definitely. So, um, hope that answers your question. Yeah. You guys heard it here. Drink wine, eat great food, trade for a lot of money. That's incredible. Bob, baby, ride his bike. Yes. And take some, uh, take some vacations, man. Go explore parts of the world. You never thought you want to go see and do and experience life. Get out of your, get out of your shells and, uh, realize there's a hell of a lot more out there than, than trading and the internet and computer screens and games. Go, go experience the world. I mean, once this COVID crap finally goes away and we all can get back to some normalcy of traveling, go travel. That's the best thing. And experience cultures and be open about it. Don't come in with pre- preconceived notions. Just be open and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll have some eye-opening experiences. Yeah. Teddy, you got anything? No, man, that's awesome. Um, I've gone a few places. I'm I'm pretty young compared to you, so I've gone a few places, and I think that's that's absolutely the right way to go into it. Go into it, just not having any expectations. Just go into it, and uh, yeah, feel the experience. And don't do touristy shit. Go off the beaten path and find sh- like random yeah, shit, bro. Go to that fucking taco shop on the side of the road that looks like you're gonna get shot in it, bro. It's gonna have the best food. That's how it is. My my kind of ideas on this is aliens there's no way that there's not some another planet out there with some shit on it um whether it's little green people probably not but it's it's something um animals or whatever it is but ufos i think are fake too just just exactly like you said kind of the reason is probability for both of them probability that there's something else out there is super high so i think there's something else out there but probability that something has been able to survive long enough to be make ships that they can travel to us super low so I think um, aliens, yes, UFOs, no. And I think the aliens out there are probably pretty um, not complex, probably pretty simple, probably. They might have animals. They might have some type of animals, but nothing that uh, has a civilization like us. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and we find something that uh, they could just come and fly to us and steal our entire Earth, but I, they would have. They would have by now. Um, right. So yeah, we've been we've been thoughts. projecting we've been projecting radio waves from our planet for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. So if they wanted to come find us, they would have you know at, at this point find us by now. But I mean, if, if, multi-dimension <laughs> aliens, maybe multi-dimension ships. There's so many things to talk about. But yeah, I agree with you. There's yeah. definitely there's other life forms out there 
their complexity compared to us, who knows, but we're not the only living thing in the universe. If, uh, if the, the space company SPCE wants to find aliens and then, uh, boner candle to a thousand tomorrow, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but, um, yeah. And what do you think? No, I completely agree. I, it actually makes me mad sometimes when you hear people say that there's, they don't think there's aliens just cause I mean, the, the fact that space is endless, it's kind of ignorant to not think that, but, um, there has to be something else out there. Now, do I think, do I think there's UFOs and shit flying around the sky? Probably not, but I mean, maybe, uh, there could be aliens walking down the street right next to you and you just never know. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think there's some other kind of life form out there. There has to be. Dude, that's a whole nother weird conversation that there could be aliens walking among us. You never know. That makes me weirded out, bro. You never know. <laughs> like, dude, what? And you could be an alien. I could be an alien. True. Bob could be an alien. The True. fuck is the fuck is this? Sure. Um, well, I think we're gonna uh, close up the episode. So thank you, Bob, for coming on. Do you have any last words or anything? Oh, just uh, guys, thank you so much for letting me join and inviting me on. It's been a pleasure and uh I, I hope all to all the new traders that uh, I brought some value and uh, you guys just stick with it. Don't give up. Um, size your positions appropriately. Um, this is a marathon and not a sprint. And uh, I promise that uh, you, you'll be successful at it. Just uh, if you want to commit to it, uh, just don't go in and half ass. Either you own it and love it or you, you find something else that you want to own and love. Um, and, and embrace life and enjoy it yeah it was great meeting you you too thank you everybody peace out thanks Thanks. guys